This episode of Channel Mind News is for information only. Please do your own research before making any investment decision or alternatively seek advice from a registered financial advisor. First guest on the new and brand new and sensational Channel More News, Lucas Robertson. How are you, Cobber? Good, mate. How are you? Oh, you've had a bit of time off. It's all go. Yes, bit of time on the east coast, catching up with mates and family it, and all was that. Was it worth it? I don't know. I, I'll tell you what. One thing I learned: I ain't got it like I used to at uni. Jeez, uh, <laughs> the, the head gets a bit more. I think sore. I about laryngitis for about five days afterwards. Oh, just yeah, it was a bloody disaster. It was good fun, but good, good fun. Yeah, got it out. I won't be. The missus even left me there for five days by myself. Very um, trustworthy of her. So yeah, yep. Um, but before that, you what you'd done the theme park thing on the yeah, Gold Coast. Theme parks, family, everything. And what was your favourite theme park, mate? Was it the water slides? Oh. Well, you had to bloody the, the, they sting you. One hundred and fifty bucks you can pay to get fast track to go to per person to go to the front of the line oh, yeah. and everything. So, Probably worth it, unless yeah, unless you. But then yeah, we, we spent more time in the kiddie pool with the kids. We could have just gone to Adventure World. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how's things love, in I uh, love water slides, mate? I reckon that's as much fun you can have with your clothes on, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you can you can do it either way, really. But <laughs> <laughs> who knows what was happening in that wave pool under the water? Uh, yeah. Uh, what's been happening? Corporate story time, hood mate. Oh, we've sort of just come out of the AGM season, so we've we've been rocking and rolling through AGMs for all of November, which are for the most part pretty uneventful occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, but did you attend them? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Attended as many as we could. Unless there was a, a clash and we had to choose one or the other. But, uh, yeah, you know, we were usually um, part of a very small audience uh, for these things. <laughs> I went to the labyrinth it's good one. To show I was support. the only one. They're like, they're like, well, we're not going to do the presentation. Maddie's like, Maddie, I'll give it to you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you which of our clients, but I, I turned up, I think, 90 seconds late for one of them and, and all of the resolutions had been passed the former part of the business I, I'd missed so missed the whole thing yeah. there you go mate well let's get into a bit of what's going on in the market we're just going to talk a bit of Bellevue uh, capital raise announcement today we're going to go through uh, a few of the corporate story time clients what they've been up to Great Boulder Resources Taraka Gold and Elmore um, and what better man to give the bloody insight of what's going on with them than the Great corporate story time bloke that represents them. So, yeah, yeah, no, keen to, keen to chat that through. So, do you want to talk about the Bellevue? Oh, we'll go. Deal. We'll look, I'll give the macro update for everyone. Everyone yep. that's listened that didn't really want to look on the internet to find it. Pretty uneventful last night. ASX was 200s, pretty flat compared to yesterday. Uh, gold dropped a bit, 1770, along with the US dollar down from 1800. Um, bit of copper and nickel. Went up a bit, nickel up four and a half percent, 28,000 bucks a ton. So that's good for the old nickel thematic. Yeah. Copper also up 8,440, 8, up one, one and a bit percent. So, and of course, we've had the rate rise during the course. I was about of today. to ask, I haven't looked at me, I've been videoing. So, yeah. what was it? One quarter of a quarter of a percent. So, so, so that'd be a 3.1. 
3.1. Yeah. And I think they had a target of 3.85 eventually. I know the, as they say, the economists predict another two rate rises next year, and but these are all the economists that are just purely guessing and usually get it wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. knows? Who it does knows? seem like there will be, yeah, uh, one or two more though um, to – to put the brakes on the inflationary pressures in the economy and hopefully it's a, just that fine balancing act between um, slowing down that, that that inflationary environment and uh, avoiding um, you know, going too hard and, and, and pushing the economy into recession. Well, I did hear the other day the, the figure from last month because, you know, it's an annual year-on-year year figure when it dropped to 7.9, that that monthly performance equated to an inf- uh, annual inflation of like, just around four or three and a half. So, yeah, like, they like want to get it month, under three, right? Yeah. So, last month's, even though the year on year was down to 7.9, I think. Uh, where is I had it yesterday? Hold on. Here we go. It is. God, I'm bloody giving myself extra, extra bloody editing here. Um, anyway, it went down 0.4%. And but the actual monthly performance was sort of around where they want inflation yeah, it's to trending, be. So it's trending the right it's, way. Uh, yeah. And uh, did is there any other reason that Australia responds to it better? I said one yesterday uh, that we've got a higher rate of variable uh, interest rates for our home loans. So interest rate rises we respond quicker to because we've got less fixed home loan uh, packages compared to America and everything. Mm-hmm. So apparently that's why we've responded better. Right. Call me macro, Matty. I mean, I don't know. We're we're an export economy too, right? So maybe the the, the rate rises uh, in the US are, 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 are allowing our our Aussie dollar to remain low, and our exports to be worth more in our currency. Yeah. Um, and particularly when you consider, you know, it's a there's a bumper grain harvest coming up. You know, that 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 um, currency is a, is a really big bump. For the profits of of those rural regions, which you know is a huge boost to the economy, and when you talk about all the things that you talk about day in day out, those commodities are sold in U.S. dollars as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I think that the the strength in the U.S. dollar as a result of rising rates there is probably you know a, a net benefit to an export economy like ours. Yeah, and. We've finally hit the point where our our market, the ASX 200, is up for the year. Yeah. So after everything that's happened, you would not believe. And there's that been like changed. three big corrections during the course of the 12 months, and yeah. so yeah, very resilient. Could could be the big could be a big 2023. But anyway. It doesn't hurt. I mean, I noticed yesterday. You know, that this iron ore price environment's really starting to to push yeah. some of our bigger companies along. Yeah. Um, FMG had an eight percent rise or something yesterday, and Citigroup. We've just noted um, in the press has um, published some research suggesting that with the um, breaks off the Chinese economy or the restrictions lifted with the COVID zero stuff sort of falling by the wayside in China, they're calling $150 potentially for the iron ore price in the oh, next really? couple of months, US. Wow. So there's a lot of margin that follow that that drops to the bottom line for you know, our big Pilbara-based iron ore companies. Yep. It's uh, plenty, plenty more cash <laughs> going into the pockets of BHB, yeah. especially when they got uh, especially if there's going to be the big uplifting copper as well. Um, 
and they're yeah well they're obviously placing their bets there with the Oz Minerals mm. um, acquisition um, you know that that's going to substantially add to their global copper production story so um, yeah I, I, we certainly are rusted on believers that those future facing you know decarbonizing sort of metals um, that that go into the renewables and and um, you know electrification sort of themes um, are a really good place to be and and you know copper hasn't yet popped but you you feel like maybe 2023 is going to be the year for it yeah and and nickel's obviously a little bit ahead of the curve as you mentioned um, but that's you know the marginal uh, increase in in demand for that commodity all comes back to a high nickel content electric vehicle batteries. Yeah, it's going to be bloody uh, plenty happening next year. I wonder if the wonder if the lithium price is going to hold. Do you reckon? Yeah, it's sky high. Yeah, so it could back off a bit and still be you know a, a, very a, high. Yeah, could still be encouraging new production for a long time to come. <laughs> I don't know, but. You know, no one it's, does. it's been stubbornly high this year. So, um, yeah, the supply um, response does take a while to flow through. I mean, and and actually generating uh, battery-grade, you know, lithium products um, out of the, the raw materials that might get mined in the hard rock sort of mining industry in Western Australia, for instance, it takes a bloody long time to find its way all the way through the, the supply chain, you know, until mm. it's rolling off an assembly line somewhere as an electric vehicle. Yeah. So there's a big lead time there. Mm. Right. Let's get into some uh, mining news specific. We'll first start one of the bigger news items today, Bellevue Gold, announcing a capital raise, which I think probably struck a couple of people by surprise, on hot copper anyway, because the they termed it they were fully funded towards production. But this is um, equity raising is to accelerate underground development and exploration and increase financial flexibility. So they're looking to raise $60 million bucks at $1.05, plus another $10 million on a share purchase plan, um, and they want to accelerate four to 5,000 metres of underground development to open up additional stoping fronts and de-risk the post-production. Uh, did you see this coming? Did you think nah. they were going to raise more I mean, money? look, they, they, they've said today that the mine construction is 69% complete. So, you know, they they would have embarked and made a financial investment decision based on the, the balance sheet that they had at the beginning of the construction process. Um, you know, it, 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 I suppose if that's the the reason, if that's that's the real underlying reason mm. that they want to accelerate underground and m maybe you know, bring forward some of the the production, um, then well and good. Um, but who knows? It, it it may be you know just that that they were sort of having a look at you know cost inflation and things were just a bit tight and they wanted to give themselves mm. some wriggle room if there was some contingencies involved with, you know costs or or um, budgets or or time sort of blowouts uh, which is eminently f uh, you know a realistic proposition yeah. really so well they've still got um continued continued project delivery on time with first production on track for uh second half calendar year 23 yeah. so end of, end of next year so but i suppose yeah. if that if, if circumstances change mm. they they've um yeah they've that they've got the cash to see themselves through mm. a, a tighter scenario than well, what they paint. 
You'd be mad, mad not to, because when I know, because I know the ground's bloody hard there, so it's going to be. Bloody, yeah, I've heard be, that. That's a, a question mark. Yeah, and that and that obviously slows your development rate. So I'm not sure if the extra money's for more more jumbo, like another that extra jumbo to make take into account for the hardness of the ground, which slows the whole cycle. And then obviously when you get to the production phase, you that slows the production drilling down even more considerably because you're drilling bigger holes um then having those extra soaping fronts just gives you that flexibility because you have one one uh cock up in one stoping front and shut that down having that extra front that they're talking about bringing on uh bringing forward the where is the name of the ball body uh ugh. God, you get you always read it straight away when you read it, but then you go to find it. Yeah, Tribune, Tribune Mining Front. Um, so yeah, one extra ore body to tackle, and yeah, it gives you the option because uh, yeah, you have one stoke bridge, and that can really affect the dirt coming out of the hole. Yeah. It's either going to be a ca- absolute cash cow when they're going like ten gram ore body. It must be it's going to be pretty phenomenal once it all gets pumping, um, especially with most of the mine being developed already. Mm. So, well, spoken like a man that m- might know something about underground mining. Oh, well, you know, but I gravitate towards talking about that because that's my little comfort zone. Yeah. What do you see for like Bellevue long term when they, you know, start generating? I think was it the other month I was talking about generating? They'd be generating like two hundred and fifty mil free cash flow every year or something. Yeah, well, like that's that. a pretty attractive. I think it was around that investors and that's and what's I guess their growth story going to be looking? I know they're still doing a lot of exploration and finding more at Bellevue, but is their next big big uplift going to be a, another major acquisition with all yeah, the Yeah, well, you would cash? think if, with all that cash that they, they might be able to, you know, uh, afford to eye off, you know, other logical um, uh, acquisitions, mm-hmm. M&A uh, activities. So, yeah, you know, it, it, I'll, it's difficult to speculate what mm-hmm. that might look like, whether or not it's, you know, mergers of equals or you know, gobbling up, um, nearby um, regional kind of assets that can you know add add to their mine life and and you know keep their mill full. But yeah, with that with that amount of cash you know um, flowing through the business, should it occur um, as planned, they've got untold number of different options corporately. I suppose when you're with mining companies that are generating a lot of cash like that, and when they go down the if they do end up giving out a dividend, yeah. How does that look on the, you know, from the investor side if they're, you know, it's good you're receiving dividends, but it might it um, inhibit their potential to make further well, acquisitions? Yeah, it's, a, it's a fine balance, but I think you'll find that Australian investors, if you are producing a, a, a real surplus of cash, there is an expectation, regardless of what, what it is that you're doing and whether or not you might have big capital sort of items on your sort of um, – um, you know, forecast going forward for, for growth, there is an expectation that some of that cash is returned because these guys that are coming into, or well, these people that are coming into the capital raising at this level are doing it on the promise of there being a substantial amount of free cash flow generated and some of that has to find its way back. And you find, I've always found that that the companies that, that pay um, dividends in the mining sector uh, whilst also retaining enough powder to... to um, further their growth ambitions via M&A or um, you know, basically bulletproofing the company from a balance sheet point of view, the ones that can 
strike the balance but you know b- between um generating some cash flow for their shareholders via dividends or other capital management um um initiatives but dividends predominantly while still you know retaining enough to um you know see, see through tough times or uh, uh, give them flexibility to acquire new things they're the companies that get rewarded you know the the best and you know you look at something like fmg you know that, that that's a company that's been able to pay substantial dividends while still you know pursuing growth initiatives um because their cash generation has been so phenomenal um and there's you know the they most certainly have been one of the most, you know, rewarding mining investments that anyone's been able to sort of latch onto, um, at least from a production scenario, um, f- you know, in the last 20 years. Yeah, especially when they got considering they were four bucks. But they, they, when they were four bucks, like back, what well, that was like early 2010 and stuff, I think they, they were doing a lot of share buybacks then weren't they well yeah i mean they and they went through a period where they had acquired a lot of debt to fund you know all of this infrastructure investment that they made you know in the pilbara um so building railways and ports mm-hmm. don't come cheap um they they've been able to you know generate you know really strong margins and then pay down their debt to a point where they they basically carry you know n- no net debt and a strongly net cash um, but back, yeah, you know, in the first sort of five, six, seven years of their operations, yeah, they had a lot of they had a lot of debt, so it was difficult for them to apply the cash that they generated to anything but servicing that debt. Um, yeah, and I think they they might have they may have done capital initiatives such as share buybacks, but I think really it was about recognizing that the the infrastructure that they had invested in and built is multi-decade infrastructure pay that back and then you know the margins that flow on after your balance sheet is you know basically you know fixed up yeah those those margins are, are available for shareholders in the form of dividends and and at a time when you know they're able to produce you know at, at sort of um, all in sustaining costs of under twenty dollars us mm-hmm. and they're receiving at least five times that at the moment you know it's license to print money. Yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the pros and cons between um, your free cash as uh, distributing it as dividends or doing a share buyback? Why is there yeah. better one or the other? I mean, there, there may be tax implications for shareholders with the the um, the dividends. So, you know, frank dividends. Um, you know uh, that that's a that's a that's a pretty um, tax effective way to um, you know pay your shareholders back because they've already been taxed at the the marginal company tax rate. But if you use it to buy the shares back, then that that may actually even be a a more beneficial sort of um, way to reward your shareholders, depending on you know certain sort of tax rulings. So because they're getting are, the capital growth, they're getting the capital. Well, growth those, in the those stock. shares are getting cancelled, and so you know that's a basically an anti-dilutionary capital management meth, um, um, initiative. Um, and so you would think that yeah, shares that that get bought back and then basically taken out of the system give rise to a higher higher capital. Well, higher share price, higher capital appreciation for their shareholders. That's the theory. Yeah, yeah. But you don't see there's more more dividends are released, and 
distributing dividends is a lot more common in Australia. But it always than, feels good to get, you know, to see that money hit your bank account yeah. from an investment that you've got. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, uh, because, you know, if, you, if you're sitting on an investment that, that yields 10%, let's say, you know, which is a rare thing, but if it yields 10%, you know, you've paid your capital back in 10 years if they can keep that performance up. Yeah. Um, then you get your shares for free, basically. God, I think, buddy, um, uh, what was it? I think it's called Terracom. T Tickers, T-E-R, coal mine and mob. They're the same thing. They're making that much free cash at the moment. I think they're giving about 10% a bloody quarter at the moment. Like they've got that much free yeah. cash. So, it's, uh, yeah, coal would have been there. Yeah, wish I could have Well, you think about it. If you're, if you're a small business person, like we are, um, we're small, you know, we, we run a small, you know, advice-based consulting business. Mm. We we want to basically, you know, pay ourselves from the bottom line, you know, and it's a good sign. If, you, if you're able to do that in any business, yeah. you know, if you're able to, to, to pay the money back to the people that own the business while still keeping enough to keep the lights on and, you know, do what you need to do to grow, that's perfect. Yeah. All right, we'll get on to next next ticker, GBR, Great Boulder Resources, a client of cor corporate story times. And in the news today, uh, a little uh, 10 grand acquisition for some a tenement, which is just adjacent to Sidewell. Uh, sorry, it is called Sidewell, which abuts Mika Metals tenure to the north. Well, this one's called Nawida. And so, the, so uh, Great Boulder's um, key asset is... Um, just east of the town of Mekathara, um, and the project, as you as you point out, is called Sidewell. Um, and there's a number of different prospects that have yielded some exceptional um, uh, outcomes from a gold exploration point of view uh, within Sidewell. The most advanced of those prospects is called Mulga Bill, um, and you know the company's you know working towards um, you know building a, a resource inventory there. Um, there's also a couple of other prospects that are extremely exciting. Um, Ironbark, um, Flagpole, um, Loaded Dog. Um, a lot of these uh, prospects are named after Banjo-Patterson poems. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah. Fun facts Michael with Lucas today. Yeah. Um, it might have something to do with the fact that the managing director's name's Andrew Patterson. Oh, um, there you go. But anyway. Quite um, <laughs> Today, the, the announcement is in relation to um, an exploration a, a piece of ground just south of Mika Metals, um, St. Anne's Turnberry um, um, resource. Well, the Turnberry's got a resource of something around 600,000 ounces. And, and more recently, Mika, who's an ASX-listed company with a market capitalization of about $80 million bucks, I think, um, have been generating some really good results from mm. St. Anne's, which is south of Turnberry. And, and so, Nawida is south of St. Anne's, but along the same sort of trend line. It's about 10 kilometers east of Sidewell. Um, yeah, they, they, you know, the they team at um, Great Boulder, uh, Andrew, but also um, uh, his exploration manager, Dan Doran, have done a really, really good job in building something pretty special um, along a very significant strike length um, at, at um, Sidewell. A lot of that um, ground is is covered by um, uh, transported cover, so none of the geology's really ever stuck out of the ground and and been sort of uh, obvious to the the old time um, um, explorers and um, miners in that area. But but Mekathara is a very prolific goldfield. It's produced more than four million ounces. Um, 
uh, West Gold um, ha have got the Paddy's Flat um, um, mining operation and the Bluebed Mill um, within Meekathara or close to the town of Meekathara. Um, and so they're the, the sort of, you know, they're the group with the infrastructure in the region. Um, but uh, yeah, Great Boulder are building something special. Today's announcement is, is a little bit more, um, you know, territory for them to sort of, you know, go and explore on a, on a slightly different trend to the one that they're at at Sidewell. So what was, what was the con for the acquisition? So it was 10,000 buck acquisition um, acquired from Empire Resources. So Empire just wasn't part of their, I think they mentioned it, wasn't part of their, it was a non-core yeah. asset they were looking to unload. Yeah, I, I mean, I so I can't speak for Empire. Um, obviously, it made sense for them to do this deal and, and you know, with with great boulders um, presence in the region, uh, you know they they've got some resources there to throw at some exploration activity and probably understand technically um, the the rocks and the geology in the region pretty well. So yeah, that uh, hopefully it's um, it's something that that can develop over time as a story. Um, another sort of leg um, for the Beckethara based gold exploration that great boulders doing. So is. This, um, so what this is a 61 kilometer squared tenement. Is that so? Sidewell is the for Great Boulder, that's their main, I guess, their flagship that's exploration their flagship asset. Yeah, yep. So it's all it's like a 75% joint venture interest that they've got, um, um, along with, um, yeah, Zabina, which is a, uh, a private sort of um, prospecting group. Um, but but the the acquisition that they picked up today is a hundred percent. So there's a slight difference in the ownership structure there. Yeah, yeah. I saw the um, high grade results from uh, Mulga Bill a month ago. Thirteen meters at twenty five grams. And they've had is, lots um, of they've had lots of six results like that. Yeah, um, lots of results even up up around the the thirty grams a ton over reasonable um, strike lengths. Yep. And and you know within them there's been some absolute screamers you know um you know up to sort of 80 90 100 grams a ton yep so they're sitting at uh 9.1 9.1 cents for a market cap of 39 mil been uh tracking pretty tracking pretty flat for the last couple of months or the last yeah pretty much since but september what's going to be their sort of kicker do you think if they're hitting the hitting the gold good good hits like that what's going to see them yeah get a i bit mean of i think trend? I think uh, certainly a little bit of change in sentiment, which I think sort of seems to be underway in the gold sector, wouldn't do them any harm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they can keep producing more of the same, then they're going to you know going to build an argument for having you know a plus million ounce sort of resource at Mulga Bill uh, of real you know meaningful grade, and mm -hmm. when that's on the doorstep of you know a a fairly mature operation like the one that West Gold are operating. Um, not very far away. There's yeah. There's there's clearly strategic value in that for a number of different groups. Yeah. Um. And and yeah. You know, depending on the exploration success the company's seen continuing, you know that they can. You know, Great Boulder can can consider the opportunity to be a standalone operation themselves. Um, is um have they so is Mulga Bill the first resource that. Have they got a resource yet? No, they haven't. They haven't got a maiden resource on anything outside well yet. Yep. Um, that's something that the company, I think, is you know considering um, with the the data points that they've got at the moment. You know, pulling together over the course of maybe the next six months or so. 
Yeah, and will it most likely be is Mulga Bill one of the main um, drill platforms that Mulga Bill is the most mature mature exploration prospect there. Yeah, um, but you know they're getting great encouragement from Ironbark, Ironbark South, um, uh, Flagpole, which is just south of Mulga Bill. Um, you know, it's a very large mineralized system, and it's a question of just yeah, working out how it all hangs together. Yeah, and so there, I guess their long-term, as you said, long-term synergy would be with the milling capacity of Westgold there. So that's a potentially, yeah, yeah, that's potentially, the- potentially. If they, if it, if it gets to a certain size, and then Westgold might see the sense in, um, I don't know, uh, generating some discussions with them. But yeah, I hope that, that that's all in the lap of the gods. Yeah. The lap of the mining gods. Right, there you go. Keep a watch. Uh, next one, Taraco Gold. Ticker is... TCG. TCG. I was testing you. <laughs> no, I was just finding it. Uh, what are we trading? Taraco are in, are in point, Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, up 4% today. Trading at 5 point... Oh, it's pretty very on, on 3,000 uh, shares, but uh, 5.2 cents uh, for a market cap of $21 million. That, uh Sunny kite of wire. Yeah. I uh, know we talked about them before. Just give us a bit of a spiel on Taraco again, what they got going yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, Taraco are another gold exploration company, but this time in West Africa. They're in Cote d'Ivoire, which is, um, you know, one of the several uh, countries within that West African region that are on the Brumian um, Greenstone Belt, which has been an incredibly prolific um, gold producing belt. Uh, I think there's over 61 million ounce plus discoveries that have been made there. So it's the right geological setting. And Cote d'Ivoire is probably the most attractive destination of any of the countries that that um, host that Greenstone Belt. Um, in terms of the sovereign risks yeah, side of things. Yeah. yeah, in terms of the government support and the political stability, uh, the mining code, um, the um, demonstrable activities of major gold companies that are um, exploring and producing there, um, including um, Perseus, which is you know a, a very you know high-profile ASX-listed company that's got two producing gold operations in the country. The managing director Justin Tremaine has got real experience there as well. Uh, their last um, company that he was managing director of was taken over by Perseus uh, with um, a gold assets within Cote d'Ivoire about two years ago. Uh, so it had a really good outcome for shareholders there. Um, yeah, they've they've got. A large ground position there. I think they've got the largest exploration ground position of any country, of any company, um, forgive me. And that's sort of, I think, just under 8,000 square kilometres of exploration ground. Um, the flagship project is the Abernia project, which is in the centre of the country. Uh, and within that project, the, the, I suppose the flagship um, prospect uh, is Satama, which is you know turning out to be a, a pretty exciting um, gold exploration project. They've sort of identified anomalous gold mineralization over a two-kilometer strike link there, and are, are actually testing parallel, um, you know, potentially mineralized parallel structures um, that have been identified by geophysics that extend over four kilometers. One of the uh, parallel structures extends over a um, a, a four-kilometer sort of um, anomalous um, area. So. 
Um, the announcement that came out last week was actually in relation to um, a permit called ODN West. I think that that's the way that it's pronounced to the west of the- Oh, I've been the- struggling with pronouncing shit on uh, the ones yesterday, trying to pronounce these rare earth elements. Oh, it's yeah. bloody hard work. Sorry, it's called um, Odeon South, uh, I, I tell a lie. It's to the west of the country though. Um, and the Taraco uh, exploration team believe it's sort of a long strike from pre- predictive discoveries, 4.2 million ounce band can um, ore body. Uh, which is, lies over the border to the west in Guinea. So, um, yeah, that that sort of looks as if there's there's geochemical signatures and geophysical signatures, which you know, um, the Taraco uh, are really keen to follow up with some drilling to test. So, um, yeah, you know, they've they've it's an early stage um, exploration sort of project that uh, ODN South, they, they, they really there's only just been some preliminary work, but it's given them enough encouragement to want to go and um, air core and auger um, test some of the, um, um, you know, interesting um, structures that they've sort of modelled up. God, you look at the you look at the map of um, Cote d'Ivoire, the overview of all the gold, surrounding gold project, there's a lot of uh, multi-million ounce uh projects around there it looks like yeah yeah god as i said africa africa comes comes with its risks but it comes with the gold as well <laughs> usually there's bloody shitloads over there yeah yeah i i mean there's 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 a reason why um you know companies in australia are, are willing to pack up and and you know go and take the, the the risk of sort of going into these these countries that sometimes have you know got you know really you know, unique challenges um, from um, an operating point of view, but you know, it, it's the allure of the geology that that gets in there. Yeah. How much? Um, yeah, what's the, I guess their news flow for drilling and cash in the bank? Are they how funded are they for drilling at the uh, moment? So as of the end of September, there was five and a half million dollars in the bank, um, which provides a sort of enterprise value of just under twenty million dollars. Um, based on yeah the, the the current share price today, so you know that they um, have been in, incredibly prolific with their um, drilling over the course of the last twelve months. They put you know a lot of meters into the ground, and I think that they would like to continue to do that because uh, you know they've they've got more than enough encouragement um, at several projects now um, to to give them um, you know a. a a pathway towards building a substantial um, gold inventory at, at several of these projects, particularly Satama, which is the most mature. But you know, obviously, there's there's some good sort of um, greenfields opportunities um, as well, and it's just a matter of prioritising where to put the work uh, with a small team um, and getting best bang for your buck. Yeah, I think like as you said, local knowledge would play a massive part over there, not with just the geology but relationships and yeah. how the uh, West African world works. Now you listen to um, uh, uh, West African resources. I got his name wrong on a Richard bloody- Hyde. <laughs> Richard Hyde. I got his name wrong on a bloody podcast last time. Listen to his podcast and he, like, God, he was a geologist over there for years and, like, in the bloody midst of it, like, yeah. right in the guts of it and really understood how – the African scene works and you yeah. just have a look at the success that WAF have had. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, company experience is integral if you're looking to bloody drill holes over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and WAF, I mean, have been incredible in delivering that project 
on time, under budget, and spinning out a heap of cash from it. And it just, you know, goes to show that, yeah, okay, there are challenges in operating in West Africa, but if you've got the right team on the ground, you can, you know, get it right for your shareholders. And Elliot Grant, who's the chief geologist, has spent, I think, the bulk of his career in that part of the world. Justin, as I mentioned, has got a track record of generating substantial value for his shareholders with assets within this very country. So, yeah, you you, you think I, I, I'm I'm confident um, uh, the company's in safe hands with the people that they've got on board. Just looking at the Satama. Um drill results from the quarterly activities report so it looks like it's pretty pretty shallow as well like you know 30 30 meters yeah, at 1.92 for 94 at 90 from 94 meters and uh where's yeah plenty plenty here. looks like yeah so all all open pit territory which is where you know yeah. where the where the easy well it's still early days from. so they've only they've only scratched the surface in terms of depth and strike extent yeah are they um When's their sort of schedule to get a resource out for anything? Oh, I couldn't say. Um, I, I don't know what the game plan is with that because if, if mm. these parallel structures at Satama come in, then, you know, it could change the focus very quickly. Mm. Um, they know they're onto a mineralised system there. Um, it's a question of, uh, I suppose, honing in on the the most exciting, you know, portions of that, you know, that system. Um, and it's still, it's still early doors with respect to that. So, yeah couldn't say yep right tcg taraco gold 5.2 cents at the moment market cap of 21 million check it out uh do your own research please right final stock for the day elmore another client of yours yeah had their agm i think on wednesday of last week ele trading at two two cents for a market cap of 23.3 million down 4.6 percent today which is one 1.0.1 of a cent. Uh, AGM was that the one you got? Uh, you went in for the three. The resolutions were passed ninety no, seconds. No, no, <laughs> no. I got I got to that one on time. Um, well, I mean, these guys are um are the owners of the Pico Magnetite mine near Tennant Creek in the Northern Territory. Um, they're actually processing tailings from. Um, mining operations that occurred in, you know, at, at, on the site in the 1970s by a private company. And the the first leg of the, the production scenario at PICO, uh, which is the name of that, that, that operation, um, is to export a magnetite iron ore concentrate and, you know, um, uh, out of the port of Darwin, um, the first um, shipment left um, port in October. Um, and the the company actually started off as the contract um, processing um, um, uh, contractor, I suppose, um, for for Pico, and then um, over the course of the last um, six nine months, um, w- was able to actually acquire the project off the previous owners. Um, they did that um, using some vendor finance. Um, they've been able to renegotiate the terms of that vendor finance to ensure that the um, the interest rates that they're paying um, uh, to, you know, to to the to the vendors uh, aren't as punitive as they uh, had sort of uh, initially been set out to be, which has allowed them the, the renegotiation, uh, which was announced yesterday, um, has resulted in sort of 
five hundred thousand dollars a month in interest savings oh, um, for the next sort of nine months. So, um, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty substantial win for them, and it allows them to you know generate the cash that that can be generated from this asset um, over the course of um, uh, you know the the uh, seven years that they've laid out as a mine life. Um, to to pay back that that um, the, the sort of principal on that loan um, quickly, um, and at the same time they're going to be um, uh, relocating a mill that they've got for um, the processing of the ore to produce um, a saleable um, copper and cobalt product um, from the tailings as well as the magnetite. So um, they're going to be a multi-commodity. Um, um, they're going to have multi-commodity streams of revenue um, uh, from the, the, the processing of uh, this material that's sitting in stockpile as a result of it being uh, uh, tailings from the, the old time sort of mining operations that occurred there many decades ago. Um, there's also still opportunity for you know the the um, the, the remnant or um, sitting you know, you know under the surface. Um, completely you know, separate from the material that they're processing, which is tailings um, material. So, you know, there's all sorts of different ways for them to skin the cat. Um, the um, the managing director Dave Mandelowitz has done an incredible job building the operations and the and the um, expertise within the team um, over the course of the last 12 months, going from basically being a processing contractor to being a miner, and you know employing dozens of people to you know you know bring this whole dream into reality um and now behind the scenes have been able to you know restructure the uh, the, the debt and the financing uh, to ensure that they're not unfairly penalized um uh and you know they've got a they've got the ability to to generate the cash that they want to uh to build shareholder value here so yeah looks interesting they've got um all regal regal Eleven uh, percent shareholder, so they've got a. That's a big, pretty big insto uh, yeah. investor to be in it. So yeah, they must very uh, supportive, very supportive. Um, sort of top twenty. Um, yeah, uh, there's 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 some pr pretty heavy hitting investors sort of on the register, which is a uh, great vote of confidence for the, you know, for the management and for the quality of the assets that they've got. It's a bit um, it's a bit of an eccentric company, <laughs> like the way the well, I guess what I'm, we're used to talking about blowing up stuff, but the whole tailings resource and what's it say seven plus year mine life, uh, just from tailings. Yeah. So it's pretty. Yeah, pretty seven year. I think they they're on track to produce three hundred and fifty thousand tons a year of um, magnetite. Um, and yeah, the, you know, obviously there's there's um, likely to be you know, revenue streams from that cobalt and copper production as well. So, so is the mag magnetite is that um, and and and, and in time gold as well because there's there's gold also involved yeah. in, in the the chemistry within that um, tailings deposit. So is that is that um, magnetite? That's the cheaper version of iron ore hematite. Is it? Is that the? Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's not cheaper per se. It's but it's 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 different. And, and look, I'm wading into territory that you know is a little unfamiliar for me. Mm. But it's it's not hematite. It's magnetite. It's it's magnetic, um, but it, it's 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 still a, um, a highly um, valuable when it's upgraded. Um, it's a highly valuable uh, feed for iron uh, steel production. So, 
Oh, too easy, mate. That's a good bloody... Is that a good wrap? Good, good summer. All right. <laughs> look forward to many more of these, mate. Uh, and uh, keep the bit of a... Thanks, Matty. Keep, no, always keep good on, to... Uh, keep on top of the news, mate, because I'll be uh, ringing you. I might be ringing you like mid-episode for a bit of an expert analysis. So Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll stand by my phone. I've got you and Annie Clayton on speed dial. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's a legend. Right, All right. Good thanks, on, mate. mate. Cheers. Cheers.